Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock. I'll be the host for today's podcast. And we're talking once again with Amy Rotering, who is an associate attorney at Mundal Law. How are you, Amy? I'm doing great today, David. Thank you. For today's topic, it sounds like we'll be unveiling somewhat of a legal mystery. That is correct, David. We are going to talk about the mystery surrounding the probate process. Oh, I know what you mean. Unless you've had direct experience with doing something having to do with probate, most people don't really understand how it works. So that'd be fantastic. Now, of course, probate is about what happens when someone dies and what happens to their possessions after they pass away. Death is not something that people are going to talk about around the kitchen table, of course. And there's also the saying, you can't take it with you, which is where probate comes in. We get plenty of calls at our office from folks who have either just lost a loved one, unfortunately, or a family member passed away a few years ago. Typically, their questions are around three different areas that I want to discuss today. All right, three different areas. What's the first one? The first one is surrounding the will. Most people have heard of a will. It's the document that someone drafts before they die telling folks that they love what they want done with their possessions after they pass. What people want to know when they call us is they either want a copy of that will Mm -hmm. or they want to know when will be the reading of the will. I see. The reading of the will refers to what people may have seen in movies where a lawyer comes into the home of the person who died and the family members are all surrounded there in in one room and then the lawyer reads the will to the family members and inevitably somebody's not happy with the results of what the lawyer reads. It's really not done anymore these days. Typically what happens is the a family member will have a copy of the will and they will start the probate process. A reading of the will was something that happened very frequently back before there were automobiles or telephones or ways of communicating rapidly. And many people couldn't read you know, back in the days when they did reading of the will. So the lawyer would read the will to the family members. But obviously now we have automobiles. We have a worldwide system of education, so most folks know how to read. A reading of the will really isn't necessary anymore. If someone wants a copy of the will, what I recommend that people do is they ask those family members that are closest to the person who passed to see if they're aware of the will. And sometimes people will call our office because they know that someone has a copy of the will, but they're not willing to share it with anybody. When that happens, then unfortunately at that point you have to get the court involved. The first step in the probate process is someone has to file a petition with the court and let the court know that there is a will, someone has passed, and Mm -hmm. that there is a will, Mm -hmm. 
and that they're asking the court to enforce the terms of the will. When you describe it that way, it sounds like the court system these days, because everything has advanced, it sounds like they're prepared to assist the family to be able to resolve whatever concerns there might be about the specifics that are actually in the will. And that's correct. Fortunately today, David, most probate processes are amicable. Mm -hmm. And the person who has possession of the will will typically apply to the court right away, and they will file the original will with the court because it's required. And once a will is filed with the court, it becomes public information that anyone can access. Especially the family members. Yes. So it'll be issued to the court. The court makes sure it's available. Then everyone knows. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone can read and take it from there. Absolutely. And one of the other requirements of a probate proceeding is that the person who wants to be the personal representative has to inform family members that there is a probate process in place, which gives the family members a chance to come forward with any concerns that they might have. When you say personal representative, that's a term that's used here in Minnesota. Is that correct? That's correct, David. Most people know the personal representative as the executor. Yeah. That is actually a masculine term. And so as we move to more gender neutral language, Minnesota legislature and the courts have adopted the term personal representative. A female executor would be an executrix which you don't really hear about anymore. When people use the word executor, I know what they're talking about. Right. But I do explain to them that it's now called the personal representative. So it's just a general term anyway, but there is a a gender-specific way of saying it, and it sounds weird, it sounds like to me. Yes, exactly. I don't know of many people who've heard the term executrix before. No. Or that have actually used it. But Never. <laughs> but here we are in yeah. the 21st century. So That pretty much sounds like we covered the idea of the will, and we talked a little bit about the personal representative. What's the second item that you wanted to tell us about to remove some of the mystery today? So the second mystery that I would like to clarify a little bit is the issue of real estate. Okay. Meaning a house for the most part. Ah. What often happens when someone dies is that they owned a home Mm -hmm. and that they perhaps even lived in the home or the person who passed didn't live in the home, but one of their children did. Okay. And now that the person has passed, the child who's living in the house doesn't want to leave the house. Many times that child has lived there rent-free, mm-hmm. and or the person who passed and owned the house was paying all the bills. Right. And even in a case where the child was paying the rent and paying bills, you know, they just don't want to leave the house. Right. Right. And it's so home. It's home, but yet it doesn't belong to that child. It belongs to the estate. Right. And so if there's other siblings, they become very concerned about what they're going to do, especially if they want to sell it and it needs to be cleaned up or there needs to be some repairs done. Okay. Because that sibling who wants to stay in the house oftentimes has the only keys to the house and they won't let anybody in. It seems like it could be a typical scenario where it could be the youngest that might still remain in the house and be in the similar situation that you're describing. And the other siblings are going, well, we need to resolve this estate. And so what do we do? Especially if they're, if they're not going to give up the keys and so that they would have the physical ability to resolve it. Exactly. It's a really delicate situation, David. And that is the question we get. What can we do? How can we get this sibling out of the house? The answer is it's not that easy mm-hmm. because that sibling 
sibling has established a tenancy with the owner. Ah. Now, and what needs to be done first is to look at the house's title because it's possible that the parent who passed actually added that child on as a co-owner of the house. Ah. And if that child is a co-owner of the house, you could be out of luck if you're one of the other siblings because they have ownership. So you cannot kick someone out of their own house, basically. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, if they were a co-owner, then now that the parent has passed, then they're now a sole owner, is what you're saying. That's correct, David. And so that the house wouldn't necessarily be a probate asset anymore because it's being owned by that child. The other possibility is that the parent may have filed what's called a transfer on death deed with the county, Mm. which instructs the county on who gets the house once the owner dies. It's a very common estate planning tool. And so all these terms that I'm throwing out, Mm -hmm. like co-owner and transfer on death deed, and there's also something called joint tenancy Mm -hmm. that also avoids probate. These are very good reasons for someone to see an experienced probate attorney Yes, to walk through these steps with them. Because the worst thing to do is just to jump in and make assumptions about what's going on without taking a look first. And it can be very expensive to do that. And it sounds like that if any errors are made in that respect because people jumped right into it, the court's going to want to straighten those out right away. They will. And again, that's an expensive process. It's a great expenditure of time Mm -hmm. to jump to the wrong conclusion like that because then the court has to unwind everything and now it's causing all these bad feelings among the family members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you'd have to rewind everything and go back to square one to figure out where you were, which is if you had had a good probate attorney, you'd have been able to do all those things right from the beginning and you're not losing any ground. Exactly, David. While people may hesitate to call an attorney or want to pay an attorney, in the long run, it can save them some money to go through those steps first rather than plunging forward. Right, absolutely. So then what's number three for unveiling this probate mystery? The third mystery is a little bit less specific than the other two. Many people will ask, well, do I have to have an attorney to start a probate in court? And the answer is no, you absolutely don't have to have an attorney. I have consulted with a number of people who wanted to know what the probate process was like for the purpose of proceeding on their own. And I am happy to do that, David. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here for. Right. But 100% of the time, after I've explained things to them, they will go out and presumably try to do it on their own. And every single one of them has come back to our office and said, can you please handle this for us? It's way too complicated. Probate is just filled with what I like to call landmines. Okay. There's deadlines that have to be followed. There's certain documentation that has to be filed in a certain order and in a certain way. And if those deadlines are missed, there is no exception to those deadlines. You can't ask for an extension and it could be very costly to miss deadlines. It sounds like you're describing some kind of a statute of limitation to where if you go past that deadline, you can't go back and try to fix that. It's over with. Is that correct? Exactly. On the other side of that, David, there are certain processes that have to be followed to notify creditors. So that's what many people are worried about in probate as well, are the creditors that have to be paid. Those creditors need to be notified that Mm -hmm. there is a probate. And if they're not notified, they can come back years later and file a claim against the estate. 
unless certain procedures are followed. So really, some of those deadlines, in fact, many of them are put in place to protect the estate from creditors and other folks who might want a piece of the pie, so to speak. Well, right. And if they're a creditor, they're likely being owed that money. And so they're entitled to it in the first place. And if things have been dispersed among the beneficiaries and it's too late, those beneficiaries please correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to have to cough it up, aren't they, for those creditors that didn't get satisfied? They may have to, David. Wow. The other side of that, too, is sometimes there may be creditors, but for many reasons, they wouldn't necessarily have to get paid. There's certain circumstances. I'm not trying to say that you can get out of paying creditors if you hire an attorney. Right. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But there's certain circumstances where sometimes creditors can't be paid or if the creditor doesn't follow the proper protocol, then they don't have to get paid. And I have run into a number of creditors who haven't followed proper protocol. They have to follow the rules just like the family does. So if they don't understand the mystery of probate from their point of view, they're not necessarily going to be able to get satisfied either. Well, they might end up paying a creditor who either wasn't entitled to the money or for whatever reason wouldn't have had to be paid. Okay. So it's really important from all sides to speak to an experienced probate attorney about, as a family member, what your rights are and what your obligations are. Both are equally important. And how soon those obligations must be met. Well, it sounds like there is just a lot of aspects to this mysterious thing called probate. So glad you were able to let us know about three of the main ones. Is there anything else that you want to say about the mystery of probate? Well, David, all I can say is there's so much more to probate than I could possibly cover in a podcast like this. But I did want to cover these three really important areas because it seems to be information that people really want to know. Well, you know, we've obviously got some good probate attorneys here at Mundal Law, but if you're listening anywhere else in the world, what do you recommend, Amy? Well, thank you, David. My advice to the listener would be, wherever you are, it is worth your time to seek out the advice of an experienced probate attorney because they can get you started and they can unveil more of those mysteries and they can tailor that information to your specific situation. Right, specific situation because families are different the dynamics between siblings and the assets that the deceased has, yeah, they'll be able to kind of help get that all figured out with you. Exactly, David. There's just as many unique situations out there as there are families. So it's really important that you get some good advice from someone who's going to get to know your specific situation. And a good, experienced probate attorney will be able to help you navigate that process and fit it to your family circumstances. Well, thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, David. It was great speaking with you today. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundal Law website at mundallaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. 
Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.